Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Hear and be healed. How to walk in God's healing power. Hear and be healed. I titled today, Hear and be healed, because many times people think that healing is like some magic that God does. That he has a select few individuals. Maybe he has like a lottery system in heaven, like those lottery balls that are running. You know, when you watch like, uh, what is it? The Wheel of Fortune, 7.30 every single night. And then all of a sudden, in one of the commercials, they have that lady, Yolanda Vega, that comes out. And there's that... Lottery machine that's just rolling with a bunch of balls and numbers in it. And she just pulls one, two, three, four, five, six out and calls those numbers out. And if you're the one that was lucky enough to have all those numbers, you won the lottery, you won some money. And that's exactly the picture some people have of God in heaven on how he dishes out the bread of healing. That's not how it happens. Healing is not a lottery system. It's not duck, duck, healed. It's not duck, duck, healed. It's not God has a select few and individuals that he sees fit to heal and the rest are to fend for themselves uh, because ultimately God has different plans for them. God has one mind. God has one plan when it comes to physical healing and that is if you are sick today, God wills to heal you. If you're sick today, God wills to heal you. He's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. He's not healing Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, and then giving out sickness Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. If you study the Gospels from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he always was healing. He never made a healthy man sick. He always took sick people and dished out healing to them so that they can rise up in the strength that he gave them. Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through 3 paints a a vivid picture of this. It brings an undeniable case for what I'm saying right now. Matthew chapter 8, when he came down from the mountain Jesus great multitudes followed him and behold a leper came and worshiped him saying Lord if you are willing you can make me clean I'm going through this first because if you are not thoroughly convinced that God desires to heal you then faith cannot exist when it comes to healing and if faith does not exist in your heart for healing the Bible says in James 1 let him ask in faith not doubting for if any man doubts he is like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord so doubt and unbelief which is rooted in ignorance to what God's will is will rob you of God's blessings it'll rob you of God's blessing in any area faith is compartmentalized I can have a hundred times more faith for salvation than I do for healing. I can have a hundred times more faith for healing than I do for prosperity or God's provision plan for my life. I can have a hundred times more faith 
for uh, finances than I do for healing. That's why you have some people that excel in some areas, but then they're so constantly struggling. John G. Lake, I say it all the time. The guy was used mightily of God to minister healing to his generation. But his family died sick and poor in Africa while he was on the road preaching because they hadn't had a revelation of God's provision and God's prosperity plan for those that serve him, to those that believe in him. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. Psalm 35 and verse 27. And so faith is compartmentalized. You can have faith for healing and then doubt in God's area, uh, in, in the area of provision. In the same vein, you can have, there's people that have great faith. They're, they love God. They're saved. They win souls. They live holy lives. They have amazing faith that one day their body is going to be raised again and put on an incorruptible, incorruptible body. But then when it comes to the area of healing from their present sickness, this, this, this thing that's been plaguing their body, they struggle to believe. Why? Why is it? It's because of insufficient light from the word of God. All doubt, all unbelief roots is rooted in insufficient light from the word of God that produces ignorance. And remember, the Bible says it's not because of a big devil that my people are destroyed. It's not because of a, a different plan that God has for certain people that they're destroyed because God wants to take them through the valley to get them. That's, not, that's nonsense. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. It's not because that there is many demons on them that they're destroyed and they were pretty much helpless. It's not because the name of Jesus has lost its power in 2021 that people are destroyed. The Bible says there's one reason people are destroyed even after they come to the knowledge of salvation is because of their lack of knowledge. My people, my people. So he's not talking about the foreign heathen and the pagans. He's saying my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Ephesians 4 says they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the darkness of their heart they're separated from God's power because of ignorance that's why a biblically illiterate and ignorant generation is a powerless generation of Christians I'm convinced that's why we don't see miracles at work in churches at large there are many churches that have caught on to this and are full gospel churches and are seeing signs and wonders but there are many that the world loves to mock because they, they have a form of godliness but they They've denied its power and the reason why is because there's more unfortunately more ministers that mock healing than preach healing there's more ministers that mock deliverance than preach deliverance I'm not gonna be on the mocking side I was talking to my wife yesterday it's amazing when you read the the, the the Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John and you see how the Pharisees were against Jesus's miracle ministry and then today there are people against Jesus's miracle ministry who read the Gospels and it never dawns on them Perhaps I'm on the wrong side of history. Perhaps I'm on the wrong side of God. Perhaps I am those Pharisees that are criticizing rather than joining in, scattering rather than gathering. Perhaps I've got it wrong. I have no idea how you can actually read the New Testament and come away with the idea that God makes people sick and God is not a healer or that he was once but he's changed he's changed his mind and that sometimes God has different plans for certain individuals I have no idea how with unbiased hearts and unbiased um, 
perspectives that if you just drop everything you learned in church and you just read the gospel, just read the Bible as for what it really is and actually go through it, I have no idea how you can actually pull away from that that sometimes Jesus made people sick. That is not found anywhere in the Bible. This leper says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus didn't wrap his arm around him and say, hey, buddy, I know that you, you want healing this in this life, but I'm going to tell you something. There's better things to gain and worse things to lose. And ultimately, one day, when you drag your sorry behind across the pearly gates, it's going to be worth it because the first time you're actually going to feel skin that's smooth and nice and, 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 and not decaying and falling apart is when you see Jesus. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't wrap his arm around him and say, hey, buddy, that's really selfish of you to ask for healing. There are so many people in this world that are suffering with worse things than leprosy and you have the gall to come to me and ask me for healing. You have a wrong desire. He didn't even say this is a wrong desire. He didn't say you're desiring a wrong thing. I want to beat this out of you today. If there's any of it in you, this religious thought that it's wrong to desire healing. Anybody that tells you it's wrong to desire healing has lost their marbles. Anybody that, that tells you that it's wrong to desire, to want to be healed from God has lost their mind. They should be wrapped up in a straitjacket and put into a loony bin because the Bible says very clearly that Jesus point put out his hand, touched the man, which by the way, leprosy was highly contagious and it was, tr it was given through touch. And he touched the man knowing that what's in me is stronger than what's in you. And what's in you is not going to get in me. Rather, what's in me is going to get into you. And he said, I am willing. Before Jesus can heal the man, before he healed the leper, he had to clear out the junk that religion had beat into the man that sometimes God does not will to heal. And sometimes it's actually wrong to desire healing because God's trying to do something in your life and you're trying to fight it. Instead of fighting it, just submit to it. You know, the devil loves that type of theology because it gets you to have a weak attitude towards sickness, which is his weapon. He gets you to back down real quick because listen, if you think that sickness is from God, you're not going to fight it. Who can fight God and win? If the devil can get you convinced that sickness is God's tool or instrument of chastisement, you're not going to fight it. You're going to just fall down and just give up and quit. You're going to say, well, Lord, thy will be done. I know that there's a uh, there, there, there's worse things than this, but I'm just going to accept it as it is. The power of God was not given to you to accept the devil's weapons and mess that he's trying to put in your life the power of God was given to you to destroy the weapons of the devil that have been formed against your life and so the first thing I want to clear out before we move on and I have here four points today is that a it, if you're sick today it's God's will to heal you and then b it's not wrong to desire healing it's not wrong to want to be healed it's not wrong to actually pray and ask God for him to heal you as if he's going to rebuke you for it. Jesus never rebuked anybody that came to him to be healed. You know who he rebuked? He rebuked the Pharisees that were keeping others from coming to him to be healed. Jesus never told someone that was sick that came to him in faith and said, Lord, uh, heal, heal me or heal my servant. And he just 
looked at them and said, no, no, it's not my timing. It's not my timing. One day you'll understand what I'm doing. He never, ever said that. Every single time someone came to him in faith, without exception, Jesus always moved by his word or by his hand to bring healing power to that individual every single time. And the Bible says, Hebrews 1.3, that Jesus is the exact representation of God's very own nature. So Jesus is the representation of God's nature. Jesus is the nature of God. He expressed the will of God on the earth. It's not like Jesus was going around undoing God's will as he healed people, but God in heaven was very angry with Jesus because God was bringing these sicknesses on people and then Jesus just took it upon himself to go out and have a healing ministry and he was actually irritating the divine trinity in doing that. No, the Bible says what the father does so the son does in like manner. He actually says, I can't do anything of my own initiative. Only what I see God doing, only what I see the Father doing, that do I in like manner. So Jesus said, I don't even do anything unless I see the Father doing it. So you know that if Jesus was laying hands on people to see them recover, he saw the Father doing it by the Spirit. And so he moved to cooperate with heaven's will to bring about healing in people's bodies. And remember this, there was no sickness in Eden and there will be no sickness in heaven. So that shows you right there and then that sickness is not godly. Sickness is not heavenly. Sickness is not God's will because if it was, heaven would be filled with sickness and Eden would have been filled with sickness. Sickness came as a result of the fall of Adam. It came as a result of sin. When sin entered the world, the Bible says in Romans 5.12, death spread through sin and death is the objective of sickness. So sickness brought, came as a result of direct disobedience to God. When that happened, it spread throughout the entire human race and, and there was no beating it on our own. There was no getting away from it on our own. That's why 1 John 3, 8 says, for this reason. So sickness is the work of the devil and the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, for this reason, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus didn't come to help you get through the work of the devil. Jesus didn't come to help you tolerate or bear the onslaught of hell against your life. Jesus came to destroy what the devil desires to set up in your life. Whether it be sickness, whether it be poverty, whether it be depression, anxiety, or sorrow of heart, Jesus the the Son of God was made manifest to bring an end of those things in your life. That's why when he hung on the cross, his final words were not one day it'll finally be over. His final words were not the struggle really is real. His final words were it is finished. Tetelestestai, which is a, a, a financial term that says the debt is done. The debt is canceled. The debt that sin brought on the human race, that the penalty of that debt was sickness and disease. Jesus said, I've canceled at the cross. That's why Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. He didn't redeem us from some of the curse of the law. He didn't redeem us from like the, the, the sin problem and he redeemed us from the poverty 
money problem, but then the sickness thing, you're on your own. Jesus redeemed us from all the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? You can go and study that on your own time. Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 through the end of the chapter lists out everything that you can even know it's the curse of the law because the heading of the chapter literally says the curse of the law. And everything listed in there came as a result of sin. And if Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law, then all those things have been done away with. All those things are no longer uh, able or no longer have the privilege to dominate my life any longer. Those things have no ability to conquer me. No, rather, I've become more than a conqueror in all these things by Christ Jesus who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I pray and I believe from today, from this broadcast, the last sickness you ever had is going to be the last sickness you ever have. From today, you're coming out of the realm of being afflicted, of being taken taken advantage of, of being slayed, of being sick, of being diseased, of being the victim, and you're coming into the realm of those that are more than a conqueror who are going to go out equipped with the power of God and the word of God on your lips to set others free from this very same perilous pestilence in the name of Jesus Christ. Remember, Psalm 91 says, I will not be afraid of deadly diseases. There might be deadly diseases on this earth. You know, the last 18 months proved that there are certain things going around. I have to be careful because YouTube flags me. But uh, there are certain things going around this earth in the last 18 months that people, and especially Christians in the church, have run around like ch chicken without their heads, helter-skelter, just in abject fear of those things. When in reality, the church is not to walk around in fear of those things. The church is to be the solution to those things. Jesus wasn't walking around af afraid of leprosy. He brought healing power to the leper. He brought healing power to the blind. He wasn't afraid of those that had fever and stuff like that. He brought healing power to those that carried any type of sickness or disease. And I believe God's going to raise you up to be like Christ in this generation. You know, people always talk about, I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Christ. Well, you can't be like Christ if you're running around scared of sickness and scared of disease and scared of premature death and scared of what the devil's doing on the earth. The only way you can be like Christ is when you rise up in this healing anointing that's going to come on you today and start to put the devil on the run everywhere you go by preaching this message of healing, by not being ashamed of what the gospel did for you and what the gospel is now in you. You know, the gospel does something to you, but then the gospel does something through you. The gospel doesn't just break you free from sickness. The gospel gives you an overflow. David said, thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So it's not just I got filled to the brim. I don't want filled to the brim. I don't want to just help me. I don't want to just be well for myself. I don't want to just have wholeness for me. I don't want to just be useful for me. I want to carry an overflow of God's healing power and anointing so that I can affect the, the people around me. And that's, how, that's what's going to be your story from today. In Jesus' name. I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus was the exact representation of God's will and God's nature. And he went about, Acts 10.38, if you can memorize one scripture, let it be this one. The Bible says, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good. So the Bible talks about healing as something good. Remember when Jesus goes into the house of that Pharisee? And there was a man there with dropsy. And he asked the people, what, 
is it um, is it is it good on the Sabbath to to save a life or to kill a life? Is it good to to make alive or to kill? And they answered him not a word. And then he proceeded to heal the man. And then they were all dumbfounded as he left leaping, walking, and praising God. But that shows you something. Jesus said, is it good to heal on the Sabbath? And he went to heal on the Sabbath. That shows you that the Pharisees, they didn't believe it was, there was, uh, that healing was good all the time. They believed that there were certain times that God can heal and other times were, were, not, um, were not appropriate times for healing to take place. They always, you know, that's what religion does. It always gets you to point to a future date, a future event, when you will be healed. One day you'll get healed. One day it'll be... Their religion is always pointing people that are hurting and bruised, that need deliverance today, to a future date. And the reason why they do that is because they use that excuse as a way to get out of their responsibility of carrying God's power to their generation. Because they don't carry God's power to their generation, they use excuses time and time again to try and get out of that responsibility, to try explain away the power of God as to why things didn't work so that they can literally alleviate themselves from uh, the, the, the responsibility of carrying God's healing power to their generation. But Jesus, Jesus didn't avoid it. Jesus tackled it head on. And he said, it's good every day. Sabbath, non-Sabbath, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Doesn't matter what day it is. God is a healer every single day of the week. He's the same yesterday, today, and you'll be the same tomorrow and forevermore. And I'm telling you, as you listen to what I'm about to preach on today, God will not say, if your faith will say yes, God will never say no to you. If your faith says yes, I said it before, nobody that ever came to Jesus in faith was turned away. If your faith will say yes today, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. Don't be like the man in the pool of Bethsaida that was sitting by year after year, 38 years in that condition. Jesus comes to him and says, sir, do you want to be made well? And you know what he replied? I have no man. Stop looking to men. Stop looking to all the alternatives. Instead, look to God today. Look to Jesus' healing stripes that he took on his back. Stop making excuses as to why you're not healed and why you're not walking. When Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And that's what he's telling you today if you're sick in your body don't say I have no man don't say I have no medication don't say I have no this I have no good doctor I have say yes Lord I will and when your will and his will connect together that's when faith is birthed and generated and that's when miracle power is produced you will not miss your miracle today in the name of Jesus Christ in Jesus name Jesus was the exact representation of the nature of God and so I titled today's broadcast, Hear and Be Healed, How to Walk in God's Power. Number one, God's word is loaded with healing power. Proverbs chapter 4, listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. So what are we hearing? Why did I say hear and be healed? We're hearing the word of God. It's by hearing God's word that healing power is activated by the anointing in you. And it produces healing all around you. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Give attention to my what? To my words. 
Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So there's an attitude you have to have towards the word. If you think this word is some antiquated document, you're not going to have that type of position towards the word. The Bible doesn't say read it when you feel like it. It says don't, let, don't ever let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto them that find it. So the Bible says that the word of God is life. Life, Zoe, God's very own life source and life power is release when you find the word. What does find the word mean? When you have revelation of the word. So it's not enough just to quote the word. There's a lot of people that quote the word, but there's no backbone of understanding that's backing up their quotation. They have empty words. The Bible says empty words leads only unto poverty. You have to charge up your words with an understanding of God's healing uh, will from his Bible. That's where your word, that's why there's some people that confess healing all the time and nothing happens. But then there's other people that they make very simple statements and very simple, uh, they bring out very simple confessions and it produces incredible power. It's because they've charged their confession with revelation. It's not life to anybody, it's life to those that find it. And it's health to all their flesh. The Bible says when you, this word gets into you, it produces life and healing to all your flesh. Another way you can say it is God's word carries God's healing power. That when received and discovered and believed, it releases that healing power to the four ends of your body, to every extremity. And as, as such, it puts an end to any foreign substance or any foreign thing in your body whether it be diabetes whether it be multiple cirrhosis whether it be fibromyalgia whatever it is the word of god when it gets in you you have to know when you're reading the bible it might look from the outside that you're just reading a book a leather bound book but when you're reading the bible there is a transaction taking place your weaknesses are being poured out and god's healing power and god's strength is being poured into you whether you feel like it or not at that very moment that is exactly what is happening at that very moment it's life to those that find him and healing to all their flesh inherent within the word of god is the healing power of god that has the capacity to crush and kill and exterminate every unclean cell of sickness in your entire body the Bible says, let me read this. I caught this in my spirit yesterday, and I, I, I have to say it. Isaiah 55, listen to this. Isaiah 55 and verse 10. For as the rain comes down from and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall never return void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. It shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. Now connect that with Psalm 107. Listen to this. So the Bible says that the word of God never returns void. It always prospers in the thing in which God sends it to prosper in or accomplish a certain work in. Psalm 107 
and verse 17. Fools, because of their sin and because of their iniquity, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. So the Bible says, fools, because of sin, become afflicted. I'm not saying that every sickness, now all sickness is rooted in the original fall. We clarified that. We covered that. And all sin comes from the devil. There's no doubt. Job, the Bible says, Job 2.7, Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with boils. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. The Bible makes it very clear the devil is the oppressor and Jesus is the healer. However, there are certain sins that are, have an effect on the body. Unrepented sin, habitual sin, practical sin that you don't turn away from. Over time, if you don't turn away from it, the Bible says that you can actually bring about sickness in your body. You can actually, the result, the consequence of that thing, be sickness in your body. I mean, put it this way. You smoke. You smoke cigarettes. The Bible says we're to glorify God with our bodies. You constantly are smoking cigarettes. You, you came to church. You've given your life to Jesus, but you haven't put away that bad habit. That's, that's sin because you're, you're sinning against your own body. Eventually, I mean, you could pray all you want that God heals you or protects you. Your lungs are going to go south. If you live in sexual sin and you're sleeping around with who knows who, and you've not kept a firm watch over your body, and you're in sexual immorality, you can't come back afterward and complain when you have all kinds of STDs, and then say, Lord, I can't believe you didn't protect me. God is not in charge of protecting those that don't dwell under the shadow of his protection. The Bible says, he that dwells in the secret place shall dwell under the shelter of the Almighty. So if you're not in the secret place, you're, you have forfeited the right to dwell under the shelter. So here's what he's saying. Fools, because of their transgressions, because of their rebellion, have been afflicted. And it says their soul abhorred all manner of food. That indicates some sort of lack of appetite, not desiring to eat. And then it says, and they drew near to the gates of death. That talks about them decaying to the point of, of uh, the sickness or the illness, getting them to the point where they were, they were dying. They were at the gates of death, the Bible says. They were, they were uh, transitioning into eternity. But listen to this. So if that's you today and the sickness or illness you have is as a result of something you've done in the past, I'm here to tell you today. The Bible says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. There's so many people that teach, well, if you got yourself in it, then you got to get yourself out. That's totally against the gospel message. The gospel message is we got ourselves into the mess, but thanks be unto God because of his rich mercy and love that he has for us, he didn't let us continue on in that mess those that believe on him and come to him he says i will give you rest i'll give you rest in your mind i'll give you rest in your body i'll give you all around rest they cried out to him in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses verse 20 he sent forth his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destruction so the bible says in isaiah 55 and verse 11 that everything every word god sends out it prospers in the thing that it's, that it's been sent out to prosper in. And then Psalm 107 verse 20 says that God sent forth his word. To do what? 
Not send forth his word to give people comfort in sickness. Not send forth his word to give people a good attitude as they go through chemo treatments. Not send forth his word to give people a smile on their face while they get their face tackled and slapped by the devil. Send forth his word and heal them. So the reason why God sent his word was for healing in people's bodies and the bible says in isaiah 55 and verse 11 it shall prosper it's not going to return void so when you get the word in you you're receiving god's sending his word you have to understand this every single day and every single moment of the day god is sending out his word of healing just like there are radio signals all around me right now there's 97.4 there's 103.4 there's 99.6 there's all kinds of radio frequencies going around me but i have to take up my radio device and tune in to the proper frequency in order to receive its transmission god is sending oh man this is holy ghost right now god is sending out his word of healing in all the earth every single moment of the day but it takes you picking up this bible and tuning into the right frequency so you can receive the transmission of his healing power thereby putting an end to that sickness in your body and i tell you you don't have to wait another day you don't even have to wait for the end of this broadcast that's why i title it hear and be healed there's all kinds of ways you can be healed you can be healed number one through the laying on of hands the bible says in james chapter 5 and verse 14 if are any among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them with the prayer of faith and the Lord will raise them up you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover Mark 16 and verse 17 they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover the sick shall be healed Jesus practiced the laying on of hands he laid hands on certain people laid hands on 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 a, on a leper like, like we read in Matthew chapter 8 he laid hands on, uh, on Jairus's daughter and lifted her up. Peter practiced the laying on of hands through the hands of the apostles. Many signs and wonders were done. You can be healed through the laying on of hands. Number two, you can be healed by the anointing of oil. We, uh, James 5, I said it before. The, those that come to the elders, they will anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse I think it's verse 13 that the disciples went everywhere casting out demons and anointing anointing with oil those that were sick and they recovered. They were healed. You can anoint people with oil and see them recover. You can receive healing uh, based on... Uh, articles of clothing acts chapter 19 and verse 11 the bible says that god did extraordinary miracles through the hands of paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to those that were sick and they were healed i've seen that happen in our own ministry where there was a guy in the dominican republic he was dying of the dengue fever and had a lung infection and his son-in-law who was my translator that night asked me to come and pray for him i couldn't go that night but i gave him my handkerchief i gave it to him prayed over it and said go and lay this on your father-in-law's body and he'll he'll be well he'll be recovered he'll heal he'll be healed and so that night he went laid it on the guy's sick uh body on his chest and on his head where the fever was and on his chest where the lung infection was and the very next moment the man woke up supernaturally healed was the first one at breakfast he said, I went into the kitchen to get breakfast myself, and there he was, first time out of bed. They had already made his funeral, funeral plans because he was dying. He was like 70-something years old, and it didn't look good. It took a, t a turn for the worse. But through the uh, handkerchief, 
And through the, it's not, the power is not in the handkerchief, but it's a point of contact. It's a point of contact for others to release their faith. That happens. But I'm going to tell you, the more excellent way to receive healing, the number one way you can receive healing, the way that Jesus commended, the method of healing that Jesus even himself commended in Matthew chapter 8 is simply by hearing the word. There was a centurion that sent people to Jesus to come and lay hand on his servant, who was dying, was dreadfully tormented and paralyzed, but the man sent a delegation of troops to come and get Jesus to come and pray for his servant so that he can be healed. While the, Jesus was a little far off, but he hadn't come into the house, while he was still far off, the centurion sent word to, the, to Jesus saying, I'm not worthy that you should come under my tent, just speak the word. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, just say the word, and I know my servant's going to be healed. Jesus didn't rebuke him saying oh you're that word of faith type of crowd huh no 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 you guys have just gotten into this hyper faith stuff and it, it it's all you know the product of a man that came out in the 70s and you know it's not right it's actually it's not very very biblical no that's not what jesus did he actually commended him and said whoa great uh sir he said whoa sir your faith is very great and let it be unto you as you have believed so the centurion had faith not even a, he had never even seen Jesus, never even had physical contact with him, never had him lay hands on anything, but he was ready and willing to simply receive the word. That's the, that's the highest type of faith. That's the greatest way and the easiest and most simple way you can receive healing in your body today is simply by receiving the word, receiving what the word of God says. The centurion said, I don't even need you to come under my roof. I don't need you to lay hands on me. I don't need you to anoint me with oil. All those things are great and they're all biblical, but I'm setting my expectation and faith in the highest level. I'm just going to hear and be healed and I know that I'm going to be well. I know that I'm going to be restored. I know that I'm going to receive God's healing power today. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15. Listen to this. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. So you can either wait for people to come and, and lay hands on you. You can wait for people. And all those things are great. I'm going this weekend to Toronto to do this. I believe in the ministry of laying on of hands. I don't want you to get uh, the wrong impression today. But there is a higher way. There's a higher form of faith where you can receive without even going through a, uh, a, a another vessel. Without even going through a minister. Without having to call. There's too many Christians that the moment they have a symptom in their body, they call 17 different people. Keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer. You'll find these people have been kept in prayer for the last 17 years. They're on the same prayer list. They're on the same prayer request list. They're on the same. Every time pastor comes up, up and reads the, the, the sick list and the people we need to keep in prayer, they're still on that list because you have to have faith for yourself. You have to start to exercise faith for yourself. Salvation is an individual thing. You have to believe to be saved. Even so, healing is an individual thing. You have to believe to be healed. Yes, there are times where the Bible says two or more, uh, two can agree concerning anything that they might ask. And there's the prayer of agreement. I personally believe that that prayer specifically 
is for people that are totally incapacitated, that they can't receive the word in their minds. They're either in a coma or they're knocked out or they're too sick to even understand the word of God. As a result, we can connect our faith and agree together. And the Bible says where two of three agree concerning anything that they might ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. I believe in the prayer of agreement. But let me tell you something. Salvation is an individual thing. God, no, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You can't get saved because your parents were faith people. In the same vein, you're not going to get healed because your parents are great, are great faith people or you know a great preacher. There's so many people that go to preacher after preacher after preacher and their eyes are on the preacher and their eyes are on the anointing oil that the preacher has. Oh, brother, I've got oil from the Holy Land. It has the exact spices. Oh, I've got the water from the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's literally where Jesus walked on water. Oh, I've got sand from the Sea of Galilee. I've got the Dead Sea sand, that nice black tar that's so nice and has healing healing agents in it all those things are useless it's faith by itself that connects you with God's healing power faith by itself has the capacity to branch you in to a heaven system whereby you can receive healing for your body so stop looking at all you know everything else instead Look at, look at what Luke 5 says. Luke 5.15. However, the report went around him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So it tells you that they heard and then immediately healing power came and they were healed. Verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees, teachers of the law, sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. So it says that he was teaching on a certain day and the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. That's why we do teaching. People mock faith preachers all the time. People that operate in healing. Well, if they're so great and if they carry God's healing power, why don't they just go into a hospital and clear the whole thing out? Because that's not how it works. This isn't magic. This isn't snap your fingers and see people healed. This is it, it, there's a structure, there's a program. You have to teach the people as they receive the word, believe the word, and act on the word, then God's healing power manifests. He taught the people, and the power of the Lord was present there to heal them. So it's not just abracadabra. That's why there's a lot of ministers, they'll, they'll, like, they'll, they'll go out and just, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, if you're sick in your body, just come forth. They don't teach on healing. Matter of fact, anytime they actually speak on healing, it's always like in the perspective of like, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. And then they call people forward where there's literally, they haven't heard the, the true word from the word of God concerning God's will in our physical body. So there's no faith there. There's no platform of faith on which God can perform his healing power on. So they, they call people over. We're just going to have some altar time and we're, gonna, we're just going to lay hands on people that are sick and we're going to believe God that if it's his will, they'll recover. And you know that whole, if it be thy will, is a faith-destroying phrase. So you can know nobody's ever been healed praying that prayer, if it be thy will. So they call people over and they try to like they try to like have a shortcut and just go straight into the business let's lay hands on the sick and see them recover it doesn't work that way before I lay hands on anybody to be recovered of a physical sickness or ailment in their body before I minister to somebody 
when it comes to healing, I always take time to teach the word to them first. Because it's useless for me to just skip all, all of that and jump right into it if there's no faith alive in their heart. If there hasn't been an understanding of God's covenant of healing in their heart. So you can't skip these steps. These steps are necessary in receiving healing from God. Jesus, didn't, Jesus, the anointed son of God, did not skip these steps. Jesus, the Bible says, he went everywhere teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and then he was healing every, every disease and every sickness that was amongst the people. So he didn't just jump into healing. He wasn't just going around touching sick people at will. He taught the people, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and then he moved into demonstrating what he had just preached. There's too many ministries that they tried to jump in it. There's some of you watching right now. This is like lighting up some light bulbs in your mind because you've, you've tried to minister healing to people. You've tried to pray for the sick and it's never worked. And you've always said, well, maybe that's just not my ministry. No, it's because you have to do it. If you want Bible results, you need to follow the Bible blueprint. And the blueprint in ministering healing to people is to teach them the word. Many people, instead of saying, God, heal me, God, I need, I need healing. Many people should instead pray, Father, teach me from your word your, your uh, covenant of healing so that I can intelligibly cooperate you for healing. Instead of praying, Lord, I need healing. Lord, why am I not healing? Why am I not healed? Lord, I, I need your miracle power. Instead of praying that, many should actually pray, Father, teach me from your word how I can intelligibly cooperate you with you to produce healing in my physical body. See, people think faith is jumping into the dark. Faith is not taking a jump into the darkness. Faith is actually leaping into light. Faith is not, Lord, I commit my body to you. Whether you want me healed or not, thy will be done. That's not what faith is. Oh, he was a man of faith. That's not what a man or a woman of faith says. Faith is, God, I see what your word says. I see that you never left someone sick. After you encountered them, you always healed them. You always, you always ministered health to them. I know that you're not a man who shows partiality. You're not someone who has favoritism, who has personal favoritism. That in every nation, the man who comes to you is entitled and is privileged to receive from your hand. I know what your word says. I receive it. I'm going to lay hold on that. I'm walking in the reality. I'm going to say what God says now concerning my body. So God's word is loaded with healing power. Number one. Number two, God's most excellent way of healing is by hearing the word of God. Hear and be healed. Acts chapter 14, there's a man at Lystra who's an impotent, never walked a day in his life. He's hearing Paul preach. And Paul's preaching for the very first time there. And the man, the Bible doesn't say he had faith to be saved. The Bible doesn't say he had faith to, to, to be blessed. The Bible doesn't say he had faith to make heaven one day. The Bible says he had faith to be healed. So that tells you that God, uh, Paul's gospel included healing. Because faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Obviously, Paul's gospel included physical healing for the body. It wasn't just some spiritual healing. and It wasn't just... You get a passport to heaven and your sins are forgiven. 
Paul's gospel included physical healing. We know that because the man had faith to be healed. He didn't have faith to have his sins forgiven. He had faith to be healed. And Paul, looking at him intently, said to him, rise up on your feet. And he did so. And the Bible says he was healed. His ankle bones were strengthened and he began to run. How did he receive that miracle? Paul actually never laid hands on him. Paul actually never ministered uh, to him with, with, his, with his hands. He didn't anoint him with oil. He didn't give him any handkerchief or apron. He simply was speaking the word. And when faith came alive in that man, Paul saw that he had faith to be healed. And as a, I don't know what he was doing. Obviously, there was an evident manifestation of an inward faith because he saw they had faith. So maybe he was trying to get up all by himself. Maybe he was attempting to jump up. Maybe he was, he was doing everything. Maybe he was telling people, get me up, get me up. I know I'm going to walk. Who knows what was happening? But the fact is, is that Paul saw his faith. That came as a result of hearing. And when that faith came alive, nothing can keep him down. Nothing can keep him in that place of impotency. He rose up on his feet. You see that? With the, the man that was brought to Jesus. They sawed the roof open, let down these four friends, bring their friend and let him down before Jesus as he's preaching and ministering. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith and he just said, son, get up and walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those four men were, I bet you they were listening to Jesus preach and Jesus preached on healing. And they said, you know what? We have a friend. He's paralyzed. Maybe this Jesus can help him. They went out and fetched him, brought him, saw that there was no room to get in the house anymore. So they went to the roof and sawed the roof open, let him down. And Jesus didn't rebuke them for interrupting their service. Jesus, uh, his service, Jesus commended them and said, that he, the Bible says he saw their faith. And that faith produced healing for their friend. Without any, nobody touched him. Nobody helped him up. Jesus said, son, get up and walk. And he did. How did that happen? It happened because they, they heard the word and didn't take it as the word of man. They didn't take it as some, you know, oh, that's nice. Oh, we know that's what Jesus did in those days. Oh, we know Jesus did, you know, he does it for a lot of people. But we don't know if he'll do it for us. They said if he's doing it for them and this guy truly is God in the flesh and we know God doesn't show favoritism, then he's going to do it for our friend. Let's go and get him. So his, their faith had corresponding action. They didn't just hear and sit on it. They heard and they acted on the word. And when they acted on the word, just like Naaman, Naaman, Naaman wanted Elisha to come out and do some ceremonial procession for him. Have him drink something. Break, you know, cut some chicken blood on him. Whatever witchcraft he had experienced in Syria. And Elisha, all he said was, go and dip in the river Jordan. Naaman heard that word and he refused to act on, act on it. And so he didn't receive healing until someone said, hey, if he had come out and told you to jump through 17 different hoops, if he had come out and told you to do X, Y, and Z, how much more you would have done it? But now he's just telling you to do a simple thing. Just go and dip. Just go and dip in the river Jordan. And so he did that. And he dipped. And the seventh time his flesh was restored as that of a child. So if all you do is hear the word today and just sit on it, 
and say, well, I know hopefully one day God will visit me. That's not going to be enough. You have to rise up and walk. You need to do something you couldn't do before. If you have pain in your back, you need to start moving your back. If you can bend over, start to bend over. If you couldn't see properly, start to cover that eye that was not seen properly and start to test your eyesight. If you couldn't walk, because of your, I don't know what happened in your foot, you start to get up and start running. If you couldn't, uh, whatever you couldn't do, you do it. You do it. If you couldn't eat a certain food, you start to eat it. God's going to, as you do that, as you act on God's word, just like Naaman, he's doing it one time, two times, nothing's happening, three times, four times. Then the seventh time his flesh was restored like that of a child. As you act on God's word, there is a healing process that begins to take place. And he'll go into that intestinal tract and heal. If you're gluten tolerant, I believe there's, man, this is a word of knowledge. There's people watching right now that are gluten, gluten intolerant. And you've been deprived of certain foods. And you've had to eat the gluten-free version of it. And you've not liked it. And you've said, Lord, I, I don't want to live like this. I, I mean, you know, think people laugh and they say, well, that's a small thing. There's no small thing. If it's not small to you, it's not small to God. God is going to cure that gluten intolerance right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I command the healing power of God to flow through your body and thereby in Jesus name cure every single every single organ every single organ in your body that would have caused that intolerance in Jesus name it gets healed and cured right now in Jesus name John chapter 4 listen to this now Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine that's very important because Jesus had already done a sign and a wonder in that region. And there was a certain nobleman in that region who obviously heard what Jesus had done. Why do you think we take time to do te tell testimonies? Because testimonies are a proof of what God is still doing on the earth today. And though testimonies themselves do not generate faith, they are faith boosters. They inspire people's faith. When you start to hear, you know, you can believe God's healing from his word, but then you, and that, you have faith for it, but you start healing, hearing God doing the exact thing that you need for others, it shows you what God will do for others, he'll do for you. And it boosts your faith to act on his word and to refuse to push off your miracles, saying if you've done it for them, I know you're ready and willing and on standby here today to do it for me. So this man heard of the water turning to wine. And he probably said to himself, if this guy can turn water into wine, then certainly he can heal my son. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. The nobleman said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So he just gave him the word. You have to get to the point where you're able to just simply receive the word. Simply take uh, what the word says at surface value. At what, you know, what it, uh, take the word as it is and act on it. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, your son lives. And he inquired of the hour. He got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that it was at the exact same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. So the Bible says this man just received the word 
And in him simply receiving the word, he went home on his way there. The miracle took place. I'm convinced. Had he not turned and went his way, the miracle would have never turned play, t- took place. The proof that you've received the word is that, and the, the proof that you have taken the word as it is, is that you simply just step out. You simply just act on it. There was a, a lady who was, who was, she was like 17 or 16 years old when tuberculosis was going around back in the 1900s and she had been diagnosed of it and she was dying on her deathbed. Her mom was doing everything she could to make it tolerable and keep her comfortable as she fades out into eternity. She was saved, a believer. And uh, she, her, her mom just taught her that, you know, after this, at least one day you'll be relieved of this. You'll put on an eternal body. You'll put on an incorruptible body. Your, your suffering will finally be relieved. You'll be in heaven with Jesus. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. And so that's what she clung to. And she was happy for She was looking forward to that. She wanted to, she, you know, it was, it was a painful thing to have. Tuberculosis is no funny thing. And one day she's reading 1 Peter 2.24. And the Bible says that he bore our sins in his body on that tree that we being dead to sin might live to righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. When she read the first part of it, he bore our sins in his body on that tree that we being dead to live... The dead to sin might live to righteousness, she had an amazing sense of appreciation and gratitude rise up in her heart knowing that when she did die of tuberculosis, she'd make heaven. But then she finished the verse and it says, by whose stripes ye were healed. When she saw that, she began to cry out, mama, mama, come in. And the mother rushed in thinking something was happening to her like she was dying. But she said, did you ever read the, the latter end of this verse? That it doesn't just say that he bore our sins, but it says by his stripes we were healed. Mama, I'm not just forgiven. I'm healed. I don't have to stay sick. I don't have to stay down. Go and get my clothes. The Bible says I'm healed. I want to put on clothes. I'm getting out of this bed. And the mother tried to like say, no, 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 you know, let's, let's, let's wait this out. You know, tried to discourage her in faith, but she refused to. She got herself up out of bed and the next day was totally, from that moment, started to recover. And the next day was, was 100% better testifying in church the very next Sunday at Smith Wigglesworth Crusade. This was in Australia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wigglesworth came to a, a, a family's home. The child was dying. And Wigglesworth told them, before I pray for the child, because they were very somber, they were crying. You know, it's like Jesus, who was asked to come to heal Jairus's, uh, not Jairus's daughter. Yeah, come to heal Jairus's daughter. He walks into the house, and they're all mourning and weeping. And he says, why are you weeping? Why are you commotion? Didn't you ask me to come and heal this girl? Yeah, but she's dead now. What did he do? He put them all outside. They were all somber. They were all full of depression. They were all full of sorrow and, and hopelessness. And God can't move in an atmosphere of hopelessness. The Bible says these three things work together. Faith, hope, and love. So faith can't even work if there's no hope. You can believe all you want about God. If there's no hope, what is hope? Hope is expectation. Hope is seeing the desired future. Hope is, is seeing the target that you want to hit. So if you're hoping for healing, it's seeing yourself well one day. But hope by itself is not good enough. You have to have faith. So I not only hope to be well, I have faith from his word that God by his stripes has already provided everything necessary for me to be well. 
That's how faith and hope work together. People have preached that hope is like the enemy of faith. Hope is not the enemy of faith. Hope and faith work together side by side to produce uh, the supernatural result that people desire to see. So Wigglesworth sees that they're hopeless. And you know what he said? He told the parents, before I pray for this young boy, I want you to go and heat up. This was back in the day. I want you to heat up his clothes. Heat up his clothes and have them folded at his bedside. And I won't pray until you do that. So he went away and he was just praying in the spirit. Comes back into the room. They hadn't even done it. They were just around the boy, you know, cherishing him, nourishing him, doing, patting him on the head, wrapping their arms, you know, crying around the bed because he was dying. They hadn't even obeyed that one simple thing. They hadn't taken the word as it is. And as a result, it showed in their, in their actions. Finally, they surrendered to Smith Wigglesworth's will, and they, Wigglesworth didn't have to do that. He did that to show them the value of faith that carries action tied to it. So you have to receive the word as it is. The woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus, and what did she do? Well, hopefully one day she com he comes my way. I know there's, oh man, I heard that. People have been touching the hem of his garment and I know that if I just touch it that I'll be made well. Hopefully one day he comes my way. No! Her faith was expressed because she pressed through the crowd. She didn't let anything stop her from touching the hem of his garment. For she said within himself, if I might just touch it, I know I will be healed. And she received healing, the flow of blood that had, had happened for 12 years. Some of you watching right now, you've had a plague of long continuance. You've had a sickness that's, that you've learned to deal with. Something that you've learned to placate. Something that you've learned to live with. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ didn't take stripes on his back so you can learn to live with the devil's mess in your life. Jesus didn't take stripes on his back so you can learn to live with the devil's attacks against your physical body. Jesus took stripes on his back to break you free from sickness and disease. You're coming out of it today. You're walking free in the name of Jesus. I didn't do this broadcast so we can hear a nice sermon. I did this broadcast to teach, to preach, and demonstrate God's power. God's power is breaking you out of that prison cell of sickness right now. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you know it or not, you're walking free, you're stepping free in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, you need to understand. So what are we hearing? I talked about hear and be healed. But what are we hearing? What is important to hear in order for us to be healed? Redemption accomplished a twofold deliverance for us. Numbers chapter 21. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for everyone that's watching in the moments to come. I'm just going to get through this one last, uh, two more points. And then I'm going to pray. And we're going to believe God for mighty testimonies. We're going to believe God, testimonies of cancers dying. We're going to believe God of testimonies of, of blood disorders being reversed in the name of Jesus. We're going to, if God, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead after four days being dead, he didn't need healing in his brain. He needed resurrection power. He didn't need healing in his uh in his, you know, he didn't need his, his high blood pressure to, to be lowered. He needed brand new blood. He didn't need headaches 
to be healed and migraines to go away. He needed brand, a brand new brain. He needed a brand new everything. Because after four days, your body's shut down. From this broadcast in Jesus' mighty name, resurrection power is going to come alive in you as I pray for you in the minutes to come. And like Lazarus, Lazarus didn't just come back to life, but he struggled with sicknesses the rest of his life as a result of the, the, the experience he had, the, the death experience he had. Lazarus resurrected and Lazarus lived as a, an emblem of health the rest of his life. Lazarus didn't just get resurrected. Lazarus had supernatural healing take place in his body. Because Lazarus was sick unto death. Remember, Jesus said this sickness will not result in death. But Lazarus was sick. If all Jesus did was raise him up, but he still had the sickness, he would have died not too long after. Jesus didn't just raise him from the dead. Jesus obliterated the work of sickness in his body. And he lived a long life after that. Numbers chapter 21. Listen to this. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. If you're just tuning in now, uh, welcome. There's 217 plus people here watching online. If you would take a second and like the broadcast, share the broadcast, comment. It does help with the algorithms. Also, um, it, it, like I said, share it. If you know someone that's sick, I'm going to be praying in the seconds to come. So invite people now's a good time to invite people and we're going to believe god for their healing the people spoke against god see they were very discouraged on the way the bible says and they spoke against god and against moses the greatest hindrance to healing is discouragement when you start to get discouraged and you start to lose hope you start speaking against the things of god that's where people have written all kinds of volumes and books against healing because they got discouraged. They didn't get healing that very first time they prayed or second time. Or maybe they, be, they believed for a little time and it never happened. They're like the soil that has shallow, uh, shallow earth. No depth of earth. It indeed bears fruit for a little while. But after when tribulation or problems arise because of the word, it withers out. And it, it doesn't do anything for them. When you have discouragement in your heart, like these guys, they, they, they believed God for healing. It didn't happen. And so they just changed God. Let me tell you something. Never ever lower your theology to match your tragedy. Never ever lower your theology to match your tragedy. Never change the promise to match your pain. The promise stays the same. Why things don't work out for some, I don't know. But let me tell you, their faithlessness does not nullify the faithfulness of God. God is not a liar. Because it didn't happen for one does not mean it won't happen for you. Not, you know, God desires all men to be saved. Are all men saved? No. Do some people backslide? Yes. Do all receive healing? Unfortunately not. Do some people lose their healing? Unfortunately so. Does that mean you can't be healed? And does that mean you can't keep healed and stay in healing and walk in healing power? Absolutely not. Other people's stories do not have to write my story. I write my own ticket with God by my faith in His Word. Just because someone backslides doesn't mean I doubt salvation. Just because someone loses, you know, someone doesn't get saved and mocks the gospel doesn't mean I, I start mocking the gospel and don't get saved myself. I've got my own opinion. I've got my own faith. 
Their faithlessness does not nullify my faith in God. It's amazing how, how many people are quick to write books on, you know, sometimes God doesn't heal people because, you know, we were believing God for healing here and it didn't happen. So sometimes you're so prideful. Do you, so you've become the standard of belief. You're now the standard. We should line up our faith with, with, what you, with your life and your example and your story and your history. No, Jesus is the example. The early church is the example. The word of God is our example. And Jesus was a picture of what God's healing power does to any that will call upon him. The gospel is a universal call to salvation and it's a universal call to healing. The same call to salvation that is universal. It's a universal call. Whosoever will believe is the same universal call for healing. Whosoever will believe. If they choose not to believe, that's their problem. I will believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. I will, I will live and not die and tell of the works of the Lord. Lester Samuel said it this way. He was like 83 years old preaching. And he said, all of my contemporaries in the ministry are dead. They chose to die. I chose to live. Other people, I, I can't go into their heart. I'm not going to dissect why some people died, why some people didn't make it, why other people are still sick. I'm not going to dissect that. I did a broadcast on um, seven checkpoints on your way to divine healing, seven hindrances to divine healing, and you can go and watch that afterward and see if you match up with any of those, and it'll help you see. You know, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, you can pray all you want to be healed. You ain't going to be healed because the Bible says if you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you, and if you're not forgiven, then you're not in covenant with God and if you're not in covenant with God you're not entitled to his benefits and his inheritance that is reserved for the saints I'm not going to let well they backslid so ultimately salvation must not be real God doesn't always save because they back no their backsliding doesn't do anything for me their backsliding will affect them I've got my own faith so you have to kick discouragement out of your heart. That's why I hope this broadcast did for you. You boot discouragement out of your heart. Maybe you've tried. Maybe you've tried this before. You gave up on healing. But today, faith and hope has been ignited in your heart. Not to try it again. But based on God's word, I know just as much as the sky is blue and the grass is green. I know that God wills to heal all. And I know that the same work of redemption that covered the sin problem covers the sickness problem. And as such, I'm not trying this again. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on the life of God's healing power, which God paid a high price for me to enjoy. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Exactly what happened when people get discouraged. They speak against God and then they speak against people that flow with God. You want to operate in a miracle ministry? Get ready. Jenna, on, face, on Facebook, I, I'm going to be praying for everybody in the moments to come, so just stick on. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents amongst the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray for, 
Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed to the Lord for us and uh, for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, listen to this, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bidden when he looks at the fiery serpent shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bidden anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Turn to John chapter three. This is important. John chapter three. This is what Jesus relating that Old Testament story in the New Testament. John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that's what we just read, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Even as Moses lifted up the serpent, why did Moses have to fashion a brazen serpent upon a pole and lift it up? For two reasons. Number one, Israel had sinned against God. That's why he sent the fiery serpents in the first place. They had sinned against God. They had rebelled against God. And so a curse, a plague broke out in the camp. The brazen serpent, when it was lifted, got those fiery serpents that were running rampant throughout the camp. It put them away. They like retreated. They were no longer there to be found. God forgave Israel's sin at that very moment and the serpents left. But if all God did was forgive their sins, they would have all died of the venomous bite that they had received from the fiery serpents. He didn't just forgive them in Israel in those days. He healed their bodies. The Bible says all that look to the brazen serpent shall live. Well, Jesus says, as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever looks to him, not only can you expect to receive forgiveness of your sins at the cross, but you can look to the cross of Calvary today and realize that Jesus was also the substitute of my, not only of my sin, the substitute who bore my sicknesses and my diseases. We look to Calvary and to Christ as our sin bearer. But we also, and it's not been taught much, but we also are to look to Christ and to Calvary as our sickness and disease bearer. Let me tell you, if the brazen serpent that was a type and a shadow of what Christ would ultimately come to do, if that had power to forgive and heal, how much more shall the actual Christ lifted up on that cross, stretched out his arms, and shed every ounce of blood that he had, how much more power do you suppose it has to put an end to, you know, the fiery serpents was a representation, it was a symbol of the curse taking hold on the people of God, the, taking hold on, on, on the Israelites in that day. Produced sickness in their bodies. When sin came, the curse took hold of the human race at large. Produced sin, produced sickness, produced every, every anti-God thing. When the brazen serpent was lifted, isn't it interesting that God told Moses to put a serpent on the pole? What does the serpent represent? It represented the curse being laid on that pole as a substitute for what the Israelites actually deserved. Jesus on that tree, the Bible says, absorbed the curse, redeemed us from the curse, having been made a curse for us. 
Moses put the brazen serpent on the pole. God put his own son on that wooden tree to absorb the curse and become a curse for us. He that knew no sin became sin. He that knew no sickness became sickness for us. That we might become the righteousness of God and that we might inherit the health and strength of God. Hallelujah. They're not, subs- they're not separate. It's not God saves uh, from sin and then God heals when he has time. It's like a hobby of his. No. Healing is part and parcel with the gospel of salvation. That's why you have that term, full gospel Christians. I'm a full gospel Christian. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He, what? Forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Psalm 103 and verse 3. He doesn't just forgive my sins. He heals all my diseases. It's a benefit of salvation. Jesus told the man that was lame, that was brought to him, son, get up, take up your pallet and walk. The Pharisee says, who's this man? Or sorry, Jesus told the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisee said, who's this man that he should forgive sins? Jesus said, which is easier for me to say? Son, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. They're both the same. The work that I'm about to accomplish at that cross, it deals with both of them. It solves both problems. Two Two problems came on the human race when uh, Adam sinned. The first Adam came in disobedience. Sin entered into man and sin produced sickness and death. Two Two problems were solved at Calvary in Christ, in the last Adam. Redemption from sin by his blood and redemption from sickness by the stripes that he took on his back. People that make healing as some like side issue to the gospel, that like God wants everyone saved, but you know what? Some people, he's got a different plan. That's why he takes them through sickness. He takes, you know, like he takes them through this this vicious cycle. Of, Of perpetual sickness and plagues of long continuance. They have a very shallow understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it accomplished for us. Very, very shallow understanding. Isaiah 53, He bore our sickness and carried our pains. We esteemed Him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. And by His stripes, we are healed. So in Isaiah 53, which is the great redemption passage of the Old Testament, it says that He first he, he bore our sickness, carried our pains. He was pierced through for our transgressions. That dealt with the sin issue. And then by his stripes we are healed. If sickness was not like, like, a, like a, a side issue to God, it wasn't that important. Why would Jesus take a pit stop at, before going to the cross? If all Jesus wanted to do was get your sins forgiven and for you to make heaven, why would he take a pit stop before going to the cross to take whips on his back to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy that says by his stripes we would be healed? If all he wanted was for you to get your sins forgiven, then he would have just had to have his hands pierced through because it's through... By his hands being pierced through that we were forgiven of transgression and he was bruised for our iniquity. It obviously meant more to him than some knucklehead preachers today that talk about healing like it's some nonchalant thing. It's very important to God. Don't let any, anybody ever tell you it's not important to God. 
If it's important to you, it's important to God. And if God didn't spare Jesus, how much more will he, he give us everything freely and richly to enjoy? And another thing I'll tell you, if, <laughs> you know, Jesus' ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he ministered to people that were still enemies of God. Because the Bible says we hadn't been reconciled to God by the blood of his cross yet. And Romans 8 says, if while we were enemies, he reconciled us. If while we were enemies, Jesus was healing the sick. If while we were enemies, he was opening up blind eyes. If while we were enemies, he had compassion uh, on, uh, on, on the leper and touched him that he might be healed. If while we were enemies, he demonstrated healing power to lost and dying humanity. Now having been reconciled, do you think he has stopped that ministry? Do you think he has moved on to something else? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You have to see sickness is sin to the body. Just like sin is sickness to the spirit. I'm just as intolerant as sickness in my body as I would be for sin in my spirit. When I see, when I see someone that is sick in their body, I see it as the same devil that drives someone to alcohol addiction and drug addiction. I see the same devil that drives people to lust and, and commit adultery and watch pornography. It's the same devil. I don't treat one differently from the other. That's why Smith Wigglesworth used to punch tumors and they'd fall off people. They asked him, why do you deal so rashly with people? He said, because I'm not looking at the person. I see the devil's face behind every tumor and behind every sickness. And I don't deal with the devil as a gentleman. He's not a gentleman. Don't deal with him as such. There's too many people that you've been nursing your sickness. You've been placating it. You've been like tolerating it. You've been allowing it to just continue on. Because, ah, you know, I've learned to live with it. Enough is enough. You have to take that position. Enough is enough. I'm not going to mock the stripes that Jesus took on his back by saying something like, well, you know, if Jesus saw it important to take stripes on his back for me to walk in health and healing, I'm not going to belittle it and berate it by religious traditions and empty, stupid words. I'm going to lay hold on everything redemption has brought to me. Everything. I don't understand. You know, when, when we were children growing up, my parents would make something. We would eat so fast so we can get more. And my brother and I, we'd, we'd try and, you know, whoever was quicker would get the next, you know, the next plate until there was none left. And so we'd eat until, we, we'd eat as quickly as we could so we can get the leftovers. So I can have more than him. I don't understand this whole like, well, you gotta settle. I want as much of God as I can get. I want as much of His blessing as I can get. I want as much of His healing power that I can get. I'm not letting anybody else enjoy it and me just settle and set, sit and settle. I'm going to take hold of what God has laid hold of for me. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.